Thanks for listening to Real Early, the podcast that asks the question, what does fruit have to do with movies? Today's guest is Joshua Hunter, the host of the Real Pineapple Movie Podcast. Before I begin, I just want to make a quick note about editing. I do very little editing of my show, and by that, I don't take out any of the conversations that I record. One of the things I wanted my show to be is an honest account of the conversations I have with people, warts and all. In fact, my dogs make a cameo, and instead of cutting that part out, I left it in because it led to an interesting discussion about podcasting. I met Joshua Hunter through our mutual friend Nathan Flynn of the Mission Impossible podcast, of which I guessed on their episode about Mission Impossible 2. We all enjoyed our company so much that I joined their daily Facebook Messenger group. We've had many fun conversations about movies and life these last few years. Now, Hunter's story is a little bit different than some of my guests so far because his relationship with movies starts at a much older age. Growing up, television, comics, and music were just as big a part of what makes him who he is today. It wasn't until he moved to Nevada that he started doing the podcast. We talk about how reviewing movies began and how it's going. I really enjoy getting to learn more about Hunter, and I hope you do as well. So please enjoy my conversation with Real Pineapples, Joshua Hunter. Hunter, hello, how you doing? Ah, hey, what's going on, Larry? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, Our swamp cooler, which is what we use to cool down the house, has broken again after we got a brand new one. Oh, that sucks. super hot right now, so... You might start seeing me dripping sweat at one point. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Fair. I'll be all right. Yeah. No Other judgment. than that, I mean, I shouldn't complain too much because there are people that never have air, but it's annoying when you do pay for it and it doesn't work. <laughs> so. Yeah, we we keep our house uh, constantly around like sixty five degrees. Like I I can't like Reno right now. It's uh it's ninety five here right now. So that's rough. The, yeah, the air is constantly going in our house, which is why the electric is always as high as it is. But <laughs> it's worth it for comfort. <laughs> so my first question I want to ask you is, tell me about pineapples. What is the what is the story behind your podcast called the Real Pineapple? So okay, it's a very random. <clears throat> mean, it's a very random thing. So, one of my earliest memories uh, with uh, with my dad was watching. So to so to date myself here a bit. So I'm old enough to remember when Saturday Night Live would get over on NBC like, like at 105, and then would go right into old uh, Star Trek reruns. And so I would watch like two hours of Star Trek reruns with my dad. Uh, and then I would pass out, you know, it's like two, three in the morning. And that, and one of the things we would always do when we would watch Star Trek would be eating the uh, Dole's pineapple out of the can, the the pineapple chunks. Sure. So that's where the real pineapple comes from. It, it's literally just a memory, a very random memory I have of my dad. And then I thought, oh, movie reels. Um, and I just combined the two. That, that's literally where the, <laughs> where the podcast runs from. <laughs> Wow, that's that's actually a really cool story. Was your was your father the person that you would say got you into to movies? So yeah, my my so my relationship with film is really odd because I didn't really start with a huge relationship on film. It was more TV is kind of what I gravitated towards. So 
I, I'm a huge nerd, which I talk about constantly on 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 a, on the show. But one of the first things I remember kind of clicking was sci-fi, and the big one was Twilight Zone for me. So I used to yeah, again to date myself when the original one or the remake. Uh, the uh, the original, yeah, oh. the uh, the old black and white. I just I remember watching that, uh, you know, because Sci-Fi Channel used to do the uh, like the Labor Day and the Memorial Day, pretty much any holiday. They would use it as an excuse to, you know, like flag day twice on marathon. Like they would, sure. you know, they would. And so I really, so I remember seeing the uh, the monsters that do on Maple Street. That was one of those first episodes of anything that made me go like, whoa, like that was a genuine, like that blew my, that blew my mind. And so I was five, six when I saw that and, you know, getting the obvious, you know, intention of the episode of what it's trying to say you know for me that was a really big deal and right around that time is when i discovered you know batman the animated series too and that was a you know that was a golden age for animation too because you had uh you had batman the animated series you had x-men uh spider-man all the nickelodeon stuff so you know like ren stimpy and all that um you know the tick and so i was just consuming all this like different kind of weird stuff at the same time and then film kind of came along later once i was like nine or ten and was your father a big sci-fi guy and that's how you got into sci-fi or is it just something you discovered on your own so he was a big sci-fi guy but um he he was a big music guy like he played a lot of uh a lot of music but he always used to have like film scores playing my my uh, him and my mom and so I remember that, you know, the do 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 you know, the Twilight Zone theme. That's one of those themes that just I automatically think of when I think about my favorite themes from anything. Uh, you know, like that, Jurassic Park, E.T. Um so, but that was uh that was the first show that I remember going, Oh, the music is really great on this. Like even just that simplistic, you know, kind of weird but almost like suburb like suburban music they would mix in depending on the episode so uh scores were a really big thing early on uh for that reason but yeah movies kind of came along a little later but let's let's talk about music for a second because when you were talking about the twilight zone theme i was thinking about the first time that i remember hearing music in a movie and thinking this is really interesting and a big part of a film is when i i used to watch jaws a lot when i was a kid nice and i mean that score is iconic and super memorable and i think that was the first time that i really noticed music and i i've that's kind of interesting that because your your dad listened to music that i think that might have caught your ear more to the movie scores and whatnot is that something that today you still listen to do you still listen to music movie scores and whatnot i was just listening uh i was just listening to the score from uh moonlight uh the, this morning that that's actually uh, so you know oh god again old, old man old man hunter over here i find myself less engaged on scores overall but when i hear a score that i go oh my God, that's amazing. Like I just, I can immediately attach myself to it. So, so Moonlight was one of those scores, um, even though I admittedly am not as crazy about the film as, as I was when I saw it, a Joker 
uh, falls into that realm. Uh, there's a movie called uh, called Nine Days with Winston Duke that came out last year that uh, that I just I listen to that score pretty frequently. Um, there's a movie called uh, Fearless with uh, with Jeff Bridges, which if uh, if you're you or your audience haven't seen it, I'd highly recommend it. Uh, that's one of my favorite film scores maybe ever i'm completely blanking on uh on who did the score but it stars uh jeff bridges and rosie perez great movie but uh i'm completely blanking on who, on who did the score but um that's one of those scores that i still hear it uh, to this day and i saw that movie for the first time when i was like seven and i i can still remember certain scenes so visually based on the score it's a an amazing movie but yeah that, that's still a thing for me i just i don't know i i, I don't think there are uh how do i put this i don't know if there are, are as many people who care about the technical side of film uh as much as they should any anymore which is why, why do you think that is i think we're just kind of okay with mediocrity and again i realize how old man yelling at port uh you know yelling at clouds of sounds because i'm i'm usually one of the people who goes you know cinema's not dead like there's so much stuff out there to watch and there's an uh, an amazing amount of stuff that you can that you can watch that is you know good to absolutely excellent stuff but i i don't know i i find soundtracks engage me less i find scores are more forgettable it's kind of like the uh uh, in forgetting Sir Marshall, that whole joke of, you know, I don't make music for the show, I just play tones. I, I almost feel like that's how a lot of music is in general in music, uh, and uh, movies are almost a, uh, like a consequence of that. Alright, I'll just, I had to look it up and I'm going to say his name incorrectly, I'm sure, but it's Maurice Jarre. Thank you. Who did. Yeah. And I've never seen that movie, but I'm definitely going to put that on my list and watch that soon. Yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a it's one of those movies that, that it, it it's very much a uh, a meditation movie in the sense of it's something you want to sit with uh, after you're done. You, you know, it would actually make a great double feature with uh, Pig, uh, the, the Nicolas Cage movie. It would actually oh, make a wow. really great double feature with that. The scores are kind of in the same. Mm-hmm family in the movies both uh yeah that the, actually i might do that i might do a double feature both but uh but yeah but yeah definitely add that to your list it's a great flick yeah you know it's something i actually think about music now a bunch because I'll, I'll listen to like danny elfman back in the day and all of his scores have great themes and i feel like that's really what's missing a lot in movies is I agree starting from the theme like i i can think of a couple like the fanfare for marvel i think is genius and that always gets me jazzed for a movie you know maybe a few beats of the avengers some beats of wonder woman yeah but like i just feel like there's no like indiana jones i mean to be fair john williams is you know obviously one of the greatest of all time but there's no predator there's no i don't know there's just something missing about the themes so i would say so it's definitely say um I would say the Black Panther theme uh, works game busters for me. Um, the the Avengers theme is so close to Jurassic Park for me because I still remember the first time I um, 
don't do do not hold the new ones against <laughs> against what was once excellent. But the first time you hear that for Jurassic Park theme, you hear that Williams score just you know bubble up. It's a it's a moment. I still remember watching that in the theater, going whoa, and you know eight year old me eyes all big like this is incredible, and. and that that I think that's where the music part of for me uh, is missed because you can you can ruin a great scene with a bad song choice or even a or even a a scene that's maybe good or great can be elevated by a great song by a great song or theme. Um, wh- while I know a lot of people are kind of just like over <laughs> over the Wonder Woman theme that. That no man's land scene where she be- she begins to just go off. That's incredibly well said with that with that music, and it does enhance uh, enhance the scene. But that's not always the case, you know. I, I I think we talked about it off mic, but in that Lion King remake, pardon me, when uh, when that Beyonce song comes on, oh my gosh, I remember just rolling my eyes in the theater, going, "Please make this stop!" And it took me so out of the film. And there's nothing that's more depressing when you're heading to that third act or heading to that final conflict, and the music just almost brings the film to a mm-hmm. to a to a halt. Because then you have to get yourself back into the movie, and you're losing, you know, you're losing precious time by doing that. But um, yeah, I, I uh, just is there film is there a score for you? Like, because I mean, we've got Indiana Jones five coming out. I know Harrison Ford is old. Like I, I, I know, I know he's, you know, like he's up there. But I can't wait to hear the Indiana Jones theme again. Like I, I can't even lie. Like I'm truly excited to hear the theme again and see how it's worked in to you know whatever Tom Fuller he gets into this time. Yeah. Uh, well, I think a lot of it just kind of has to do with that particular music. Is iconic. So anytime you can bring back something iconic, um, and plus you see Harrison Ford putting on the fedora, no matter how old he's getting, <laughs> I mean, there's still something to get you jazzed about for something like that. Sure. But I wonder, for example, here's one thing that I wonder: like my one of my favorite scores is Batch of the Future. Mm-hmm. Like I get that that in my head constantly, and I kind of wonder if they were to do a sequel now like it'd be tough to do for obvious reasons but if they did yeah. do something now would would i like it because that music is playing like i wonder <laughs> how much that affects how you feel about a particular movie well it's 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 interesting because we've seen this you know this nostalgia it, it's interesting how nostalgia works because you know i you know, Top Gun Maverick has made the most money out of any film that's come out this year so far, and that is heavily driven by nostalgia. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home that came out last year, that's heavily driven by nostalgia. So you can have these pockets where nostalgia works, but then you can have these pockets like the latest Jurassic Park where it just feels incredibly hollow and it doesn't work. And so Back to the Future was always one of those things. I just went, the more it went on, the more I went, please don't mess this up. And it kept not screwing it up for me. Because even people forget they did that uh, Back to the Future 
uh, Telltale game, which is shockingly great, actually. It actually kind of works like Back to the Future 4 in the way that a Ghostbusters game works as Ghostbusters 3. It, it, it's really quite fascinating how well they pull it off. But it's one of those things I remember going, I don't need a fifth movie. Like, I, actually, I would prefer you just don't ever touch this property again. But nothing is sacred. They'll reboot it. Like, as, so, as soon as Robert Zemeckis dies... They 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 will green light it. They will green light a remake the next day because Hollywood would rather just do that than come up with anything new. So uh, to answer your question, I you have to have a script. Like a script has to be at least good. Like you can play all the musical tricks you want, and you know, like while my brain will go, oh, I recognize that from that. If anything, it will just make me pine for you know, the, the good, the, the greatness of what you're clearly ripping off. So <laughs> I hope they don't touch back to the future, but they, they will. <laughs> well, if they were to make back to the future now, it would go back to the nineties, I think, whereas it was the fifties from yeah. the eighties. And I feel like there's a much bigger difference between the fifties and the eighties than there is from the nineties and today. I feel like so that would be a really I would be very interested to see how they would do it to make it like feel like a different time. I guess maybe because they don't have like iPhones yet and stuff like you know like turn technology but it'd be interesting to see them try it maybe. Well it's well that's interesting because the ninth like so much stuff especially recently is coming you know back in fashion and like back in you know back in loop so that's why you know it, it's very much a product of, of its time <laughs> uh definitely in certain elements but but I, doing a 90s back to the future now I, I, yeah it, I, it wouldn't work i mean what are you gonna say like oh my god we had look at those crazy neopets like people just kind of laugh and you know move on as opposed to you know the original back to the future how how things weren't weren't great and so looking to where you are in the present um actually never mind that part actually would age well for <laughs> for, for remaking it now but but yeah I, I just i don't think there's enough of a technological gap right now for us to go back to the 90s at worst would be inconvenient like oh no we're back to dial up you know which admittedly was not fun like for if you had to live through dial up that would that was really bad but i mean i guess your hook could kind of be you could explore the y2k stuff a little more and maybe play in a world where maybe that actually had more consequence than it actually did i mean that would actually be kind of interesting you could actually maybe make it work on, on on that front just to change subjects slightly uh same kind of idea though what do you remember is your first movie memory? So I remember going and seeing back uh back to the future uh, seeing Beauty and the Beast in the theater when I was five. That that is my first conscious watching a movie uh memory. And then the second one is my mom saying, Go to bed, I'm gonna watch this movie that you can't watch. And it was Silence of the Lambs. And to this day, clowns, stuff like that scares me beyond all reason. But I remember a five-year-old me watching Silence of the Lambs going, oh, 
this is interesting and, and being like intrigued by it. So I don't go too crazy onto into like true crime stuff, but serial killers do kind of fascinate me. Um, so like I I like my uh, my crime procedurals uh, and like uh, what was that one show? Um, uh, Patricia Arquette. Oh, Profiler. That was it. Um, that was a show I watched like a lot for some reason because it was kind of in that Silence of the Lambs, you know, vein. Uh, so Criminal Minds falls in that same uh, that same realm. But yeah, stuff like that always uh, fascinates me. Kind of those psychological thrillers of like getting to someone's mindset. And I think people really forget how great Jodie Foster is in that movie because she's excellent in that movie. But you know, everyone goes, "Well, Anthony Hopkins," but you know, she more than carries, you know, her her own in that movie. But that was that was yeah, those are the first two very conscious, very vivid uh film memories I remember having. My first movies weren't necessarily horror, but I just remember because it reminded me like the first time I saw Nightmare on Elm Street, I was also around five years old. Oh shoot, okay. Yeah. <laughs> maybe That's a intense. little maybe a little bit older. But like there was something about for me growing up horror being something that like you don't get taught horror horror necessarily from your parents you no. know that's that's something you just sort of like run into and i was just and it just reminded me when you were talking about seeing silence of the lambs was that like did that kind of change how you viewed how things were going on around or were you just a little too young to kind of get that yet i i think i was a little too young to get it what did kind of break the mold on that front was uh when i started watching x files that that that's when my brain kind of started going okay there's a lot more uh you know out in the world that i should probably be aware of because i remember i remember reading uh the the spider-man where gwen stacy died and we're having this long conversation. So, okay. So there are like three things I remember very vividly. So reading the, reading the comic book when Stacy dies and having my dad like talk to me about like death and how, you know, we lose people. And it was a whole, like probably too deep of a conversation for us to be having at seven, eight years old, but it's something that, you know, it happened. And it was kind of like, Oh, okay. And then I remember my grandpa dying when I was eight um from alzheimer's and then phil hartman dying i remember those three things like specifically because you know i i didn't have the the concept of oh my gosh a celebrity you know died what does this you know what does this mean but i remember phil hartman was always one of those people i'd watch on saturday night live because i you know again i'd watched saturday night live quite a bit i just always connected to phil hartman for some reason he was just always one of those People might see him on, I'd be like, oh my gosh, Phil Hartman's on. Um, Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer is still one of the funniest things I've seen in my life. But but uh, but I remember hearing Phil Hartman died and and just me being so young, being like, oh wow, because I, I was a huge news radio fan too. And just going like, oh, no more Bill McNeil. That that sucks. And you know, again, having that conversation with my dad about it. And yeah, it, it's it's yeah. So it, it didn't really register a little uh, that stuff until later on. So it sounds like you guys, or you and your parents, were pretty close. Would you say? And how oh, yeah. how, how did they encourage you when you had 
I would assume that you liked wanted to do something with film, maybe review it or whatever. Was was there was that did that come younger or older? And did your parents kind of help you with guide you and that kind of thing? Way older. Uh so actually it wasn't so the podcast, and I'll I'll get to that in a second. That actually kind of started because of a dare. Like there was actually no plans to ever review film, but um, I was always into music, and so I was kind of gravitating more towards uh, writing, writing lyrics, stuff like that. Um, could 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 never play an instrument, which is still something I always am kind of like. Ah, I wish I could have would have learned something, but my brain just doesn't work that way. And uh, but writing was always came pretty easy. It's like writing poems, writing songs. That was always pretty, uh, pretty natural thing. But then. As far as the podcast, I listened to the uh, to the old uh, spill.com when I moved out on my own when I was uh, when I was 18. I moved out, got my own place right out of high school. And my my uh, one of my best friends who I launched the podcast with, he was working at Hollywood Video at the time. And so we would usually hang out together on weekends. And so he would usually have, you know, a bunch of movies that he randomly rented. And so I'll just kind of on occasion, you know, watch one here, watch one there. And then, you know, that's when, you know, not, not even streaming, but video stores are still a thing. And I lived like a block away from one. So I would still, you know, I'd go like, oh, let's rent this, let's rent that. Um, cause college. But uh yeah, no, there was uh movie reviewing was not in the cards at all until I was early twenties, ironically enough. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's interesting that movies kind of came later that like you started with music and TV. Uh what is it like what made you focus a lot more on movies than that? Was it just something that you found out it came naturally to you to talk about? Yeah, so when I so I I had a falling out. Uh so really I I had a I had a breakdown <laughs> called what is I basically had a breakdown while I was living in Austin. Uh, my parent, uh, my siblings had uh, gone off to school. My parents and I had this big fight. And so I was kind of like, oh, wow, I don't know what I want to do. And uh, the aforementioned friend who I started the podcast with, he was living here in Nevada. And he was like, hey, dude, like, you know, here's a ticket, you know, fly your stuff out here, like, we can live together. It'll be cool. And so I was in Austin on a Monday. I flew out to Nevada on a Friday. Like it, it happened within four days. It happened really quickly. And so when I got out here, I didn't know anybody uh, outside of him. And so I, uh, I transferred my job. So I was just working this retail job. Um, he was... Uh, he was managing a restaurant, and so he was working late nights. So I was getting home around ten each night. He was getting home around midnight, and so we both didn't work until late, usually later afternoons. And so there are a lot of, oh hey, I'm awake. Like let's watch Fight Club or let's watch, you know, fill in the blank. And so I kind of just started getting back into movies because of that because I just had the time. Um, so uh yeah that that's really kind of what started it and then when did you guys 
decide to pot did you decide to podcast together or was that just a solo endeavor at, at the start yeah so it really was a reason for me to just not be depressed to be honest because i was i was just i was really going through it when i when i first moved out here and so uh i was getting back into just reading reviews and so i listened to the old spill reviews i started looking up um you know like chris stuckman and Shamos uh, know at the time and Jeremy Johns and a couple other people but I remember uh, our house we lived around the corner from 7-Eleven and they had a red box right there so what I really made a point to do is rent a movie like two or three movies a week like there was a point in the very very early days of the podcast I was probably watching five to six new movies a week and that was probably for a year maybe two like i was religiously watching minimum five new movies each week and then through that it kind of started going like oh i'll just make a list of you know fill in the blank for fun and then colin uh, uh colin would hear me kind of like taking notes or whatever and he had a he had a friend named Scott who he worked with who he really liked and we were all kind of you know just doing our thing and we kind of just had this conversation one night where he went hey we'll make dinner for each other once a week uh you know we'll 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 drink we'll have fun we'll you know talk and then we can just do a like a trial run of, of reviews so um some of the some of the early stuff uh, that is actually on uh, on the channel is very like rough sounding because we were using one of those like small Samsung uh, microphones that's like thirty dollars <laughs> and like there's like there's like no no attempting of soundproofing no pop filter just you know us our echoey voices but that was that was the first you know uh, version the first trial of us doing the show and. Um, our first quote good unquote uh, <laughs> recording is when uh, Captain America the Winter Soldier came out because that's when I actually remember I bought the uh, Yeti Snowball and I was like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna get an actual like decent mic at least and so that was the first time I remember going oh wow this sounds mildly professional. <laughs> That's actually what I'm using is a snowball. <laughs> I still have mine. I, I love that mic. Yeah, no, it absolutely <laughs> does. I I genuinely dig the mic. Um, I'm using the uh, the Yeti X now, but uh, Blue, your stuff is wonderful. <laughs> All right, so they need to sponsor my show now. That exactly. is that is that is the law. Once you get mentioned, you have to sponsor. Uh, <laughs> so I was looking it up. So that was 2014. Was when you finally had a good episode um that sounded well but like exactly yeah. when did when did when do you think that you finally found like your groove like was it around this time or did it take you a little bit of time to kind of find that groove oh it's a so the thing is i don't know if you ever find your your groove so so the thing that people kind of don't realize because and it's funny actually i'll you know i'll get that in a second but I, you know, my friends who I talk to about it or who listen to the show, they, you know, they kind of go, 
oh man, you get to review movies. Like that must be so much fun. And you know, yeah, it's fun, but it's stressful too. Like there's a lot to actually, you know, because you do have those people who do, you know, five, 10 minute reviews and, you know, God bless, you know, but when we started the podcast, it was a three-man operation. I had, you know, if I had to miss a show, Scott could do, Scott could do it with Colin or vice versa, or, you know, a combination of the three of us. But maybe, maybe three, actually three years, eh, like four years ago, uh, Scott, uh, Scott ended up moving uh, out of state. So, so he was just not seeing as much stuff. Uh, Colin is now super dad uh, with two kids. So he stopped recording. And so there was just this point where I kind of reached out to him. I was like, hey, like, no, you know, no shade or anything. But like, are you guys like, are you done? And Scott pretty much was like, yeah, dude, I, I think I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in school. I think I'm done for a while. And then, uh, yeah, Colin and I kind of had a conversation about it. I was like, oh, you're done. Okay. And so then it became that, all right, do I want to keep doing this and just do everything by myself? Or do I want to just, you know, cut it? And there's never really a point of, oh, I want to just cut it. But it was like, all right, what do I kind of want the show to look like moving forward? And that's still a question I'm probably figuring out, honestly, but I didn't, I don't think we found our groove until maybe uh, a year or two after that Winter Soldier review came out. Cause then it did, it's like we started recording pretty regularly. Um, we were actually like editing our stuff because before we would just, you know, upload it, whatever it's done. But then we actually started going through and going, well, let's, you know, let's cut out our, try to cut out our ums and all of that. That'll always be a thing, people. I I I think people are a little hard on themselves when it comes to that. You're gonna have your 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 ticks that are always there. But we really did try hard to start cutting those things out. And we, you know, we came up with a little theme song that we put in front of the uh, of the recording. So just these little things that we kind of felt like we had heard on other things that we should have been doing we just kind of slowly started to implement stuff in. So yeah, I, I we didn't really find our groove until we just kind of did. It just takes everyone a while. Right now though, you're doing it solo. What has been the biggest struggle doing it by yourself? And what have you found has been a strength of doing it by yourself? The absolute worst thing is not knowing if a joke lands. That is the most horrifying. It, it's, it's terrible it's it it sucks so bad because you just don't know because I was so used to having that immediate feedback of oh that was funny cool or you know because when you get that you can kind of go like oh okay I can follow up with you know maybe something related to that and then move on but when you don't have that immediate uh validation really <laughs> then you just, you're just kind of almost you know, in the in the dead air zone where you're going, oh, all right, well, I hope that, you know, I hope that plays well at home, but you just, you just don't know. Um, the thing that I love about it and the pros far away the cons for me now, especially, um, I, I was talking to uh, one of my friends on Twitter about actually, and her and I were just saying about how 
the pandemic just made it so hard on content creators. Like it was, it was, uh, it was almost impossible. Like there would just be days or weeks where I'd go, I just, I just don't want to do this. I don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to curl up in a ball and cry that I can't hug people. Like that's really all I wanted to do at points. But I met so many content creators because so many creators were in that same headspace. And I, and I, I'm weirdly grateful for the pandemic in that way because it really did make me go, okay, what does this look like solo? You know, do I really want to keep um, keep doing it? Because uh, I, I don't really take breaks on the show. Like I, I might miss a week here or there, but I'm usually pretty good at letting my audience know, like, hey, there's nothing new on the podcast, but I've also created enough of a backlog that I can just upload something and go well there's not a quote new review this week but here's one something that's already you know pre-recorded but not having to schedule uh people's uh recording times because that was just a pain in the neck to do between three people it's like all right well let's review this oh there's a football game on oh crap and, you know and having to have those conversations but you know i i can knock out four reviews in like an hour at this point it's gotten to a point where it's it's i'm pretty efficient of getting through through a review if i really need to but yeah those are really the two biggest pros and cons because it is it, it is weird kind of being your own hype man in that way <laughs> yeah i i asked that because one of the things i haven't really talked about very much with with anybody because there's really no particular reason for me to explain my story on my show about other people but when i was like thinking man you know what i want to do something for fun i'm going to start a podcast i'm trying to think what do i want to do and i was like okay i'm because i'm a big fan of uh action movies and i'm friends with a lot of people who do podcasts <coughs> about them and whatnot i was thinking oh i could do like a showcase of like smaller independent action movies but then I was thinking about doing it by myself because like, I don't want to like bother somebody else. Like, like I don't want, like you were saying with your crew, getting that whole thing set up could be kind of a, like a chore. Yeah. <laughs> but then I realized that I am not super good at talking um, alone. Hold on. My, my dogs are going. No, you're good. Um anyway. Well, you know what? Look, I don't really edit my show. I don't know if <laughs> very rarely if like there's like a really major mess up, I'll I'll do some editing. But like I just feel like I want this show to feel authentic enough where it's you know, like whatever the ums are, I say well a lot when I start, you know, but I think when I decided to do this interview show, I was like, okay, this is feeling much more comfortable for me doing it solo because I'm technically doing it with somebody else and they can do most of the talking, but <laughs> also uh, can get different voices and stuff out there uh, to kind of, you know, tell their story and whatnot. So, you know, when I realized that I wanted to do a show, not about me, but about other people, it just everything just kind of, fell into place so i'm kind of partly jealous that you can actually do a review show by yourself and 
also to not make those episodes very long because there's a lot of podcasts out there that go on forever. Well, well, that's such a, that's such a fine balance in itself because I mean, oh god, like like I just reviewed the uh, the new Predator film. I think that review was like twenty minutes, maybe maybe twenty two minutes, or two minutes around there. But I think one of my my favorite, maybe the best thing I've done as far as the solo review is uh, the movie, uh, the review of this one uh, propaganda film Unplanned. I went an hour talking about a women's rights abortion film that I had really no intention on reviewing. I didn't want to give it press, but I saw that no one was reviewing it because everyone was afraid to. And someone on my film board that I that I work on with uh, kind of challenged me on that. And I went, oh, you know what? Okay. And before I knew it, once I had it all edited down and everything, it was almost an hour long. Um, it, it's what I would tell someone who's starting off a show is really just be willing to try out multiple things. Because we tried a couple. Like, like, there's still stuff on my show that I want to tweak or implement or like i am uh next year lord willing i am looking at doing a like a like a film series on like some of my favorite actors and my favorite directors because i think i've seen i've seen almost every denzel movie i'm sure there's one or two that i've missed and he's my favorite actor so i'm gonna go through every denzel like co-star or starring role and and, and just start to slowly knock those out uh cohen brothers are gonna be maybe the second one they might be the first i haven't decided but uh but i mean that's something i want to uh you know think about uh, that i'm gonna look to do but you know i know a lot of i have a lot of friends who started twitch uh twitch channels because they love the game so much and i mean i will be honest i like the game but season passes and things like that have kind of killed my <laughs> killed my love for gaming because again this sound like old man hunter i remember when you I remember when games came on a cartridge and you had to <laughs> and you had to blow onto them to get them to work sometimes, but you got a complete game. You don't really get complete games anymore because there's always something else they want to add on. And I just I don't know. That that kind of killed my love, like the extreme love I used to have for gaming. Cause I used to game all the time. Now I like I I kind of game, but Games are an investment. Games are like a TV show in that way. Like you really have to commit the time, and there is always that potential that a game just isn't good or just waste your time. And that's terrifying. That is a terrifying place to be. Like I, it's so random. When uh, when Hollywood Video went out of business, which was tragic, by the way. Uh, I was very sad and actually cried when Hollywood video went out of business because I really so I, I'm a nerd in that way. I love actually going to a place and being able to talk to someone who works there about, oh, I love this comic or I love this run or I love this type of music. What would you recommend? I actually love having that conversation with someone who's willing to, to take five minutes and go, actually I'd recommend A, B, and C. I love that. I think that rules, but you don't really get that anymore because, you know, they're not paid enough to care and that's a whole other thing itself. But um, 
but I but I remember when Hollywood Video shut down, I bought the Born, I think it was a Born Supremacy or Born Legacy, one of them. They made a video game of it. And so I was excited because I actually liked the Born movies. I was like, you know, I mean, they're second rate Mission Possible movies, but, you know, they're fun. So I was like, all right, cool. Jason Bourne game. Paid 25 bucks for it. Five hour long game. And I remember going, oh, wow, that was not worth $25. (laughs) And that's always a fear I have whenever I invest in something now. You also got to be careful of the licensed video games because they're not always uh that great although i remember playing the 24 video game based off of the show oh yeah yeah, yeah. i yeah. actually liked that one even though it got bad scores because probably because i was actually halfway decent at it but uh you know it's just kind of like i'm big into board games right and yeah. for the longest time licensed board games were terrible and now they're actually starting to get good so hopefully licensed video games are starting to get good who knows well like superhero video games were bad for so long like people forget like before the arkham games came along it was basically what spider-man 2 uh oh god uh turtles in time uh (laughs) what else uh probably x-men legends and then that was kind of it like it was just like the the superhero gaming market was pretty barren and then you know the arkham games come along and it's like oh wow these are absolutely incredible but you know that wasn't always how it how how it was and licensed games to your point are the exact same way um as far as board games i'm happy you actually brought up board games i used to play those cena games with my family all the time so i actually still have two of them uh so you know that combined my my love of games and my love of cinema and so we so those were (laughs) those family game nights were similar to how when the new madden comes out and you might beat your friend and they just go i'm not talking to you because i i have those friends who just go like i'm not talking to you i lost this game shut up and we would have knockdown drag out games of seen it that would go two hours Uh, like and it would just be it's every member of the family for themselves and i i still remember multiple nights of they're just being like all right everyone's going to bed angry because (laughs) because someone who really didn't want to lose loss but yeah i actually i i i'd like i'd like to get games like that again like i still have true like pursuit and stuff like that but whenever i would do a seen it type game I would always clean up because I was always playing with people that didn't watch a lot of movies like myself. It was almost unfair in many (laughs) ways, but I still had fun, you know, um, a good board game. And this is going to tie into something I'll eventually get to, but there's a board game. That's like a party game called it's a blockbuster game. And it's basically you pick three, you pick movies and there's different things, so you can you have to give a one-word clue to help them guess a particular movie. There's, I think, a pantomime phase, and there's something else that you do. And you and there's movies that'd be like Raiders of the Lost Ark, and your one word could be I don't know, fedora or whatever. And uh, it's a great party game, but like they they took the blockbuster 
logo and made it like this whole blockbuster video thing. And earlier, not too long ago, you were talking about Hollywood video closing and how you used to like going to Hollywood video, talking to somebody, and that person would recommend a movie and you'd go home and watch it. You either like it, you didn't like it. I often wonder how young people now get into cinema. Like, it was really easy for us growing up to become a movie geek because, you know, you could go to the video store, you could talk to people at the video store, your friends, cable TV, whatever. But with the age of streaming and the internet, how do, what's the future look like for film criticism and film geeks and people who like movies, in your opinion? So, God, I think it's going to be easier, but I don't think that's a, I, okay, so that's a bad thing and it's a good thing at the same time because, look, I mean, I'll be the first to admit, I can't believe how successful uh, the the podcast has been for, for, for being something that I really do not advertise nearly as much as I should. The the fact that this was really something um really started off as just a way for me to deal with my depression. Like that's really what the gen the, the, the purest genesis of the podcast was. The fact that it's turned into something where I'm working for a film board, I get movie screeners, like like that's already way above what I ever thought the show would be like it, it's really like it's really funny when I just go like wow I can't believe this is still a thing that that works people listen to it like why why are you listening to my insane rantings and just you know I I, I get yelled at by my film board every so often for you know one one joke or another it's like oh my god this is still a thing and yet and yet people keep listening to it but I it's the same way I feel about comics. I think you just need to dive into something and just be be willing to talk to people about it. So like one of the one of the comics I always point out to people if they're kind of like nerdy into like uh like D D kind of like you know fantasy and stuff like that. Uh, I, I I usually go Elf Quest. I'm just like start with Elf Quest. Elf Quest is a lot of fun. Like you'll probably like Elf Quest. And then you know the next question always is well what what about after that it's like let's start with elf quest let's see, let's see if you like that first and then we can talk about other stuff. There are times where I'll just like scroll through on Netflix or Hulu or whatever and I go oh that looks interesting and I'll add it to my list. And what I'll do maybe once every couple months is I'll do just a list purge and I'll just start watching one or two things from the list and just slowly start to to weed it down. And in the way I talk to my friends about film, that kind of seems like that's just kind of the norm now. People just add a bunch of stuff to their list and kind of go back six months later and go, oh yeah, I never watched this. And they and they just kind of kind of start it. Um yeah, that that's one thing about lockdown that was pretty great is I was uh I was uh quarantining with my partner, and so you know, she had never seen uh, she'd never seen X-Men, the animated series. I was like, oh my gosh, I get to talk to you about X-Men. Okay, we're starting this right now. And, oh, you've never seen Gargoyles? Oh, we're totally watching Gargoyles too. Like, I I was actually able to just recommend stuff to people that, you know, they may not have seen before and, and music fell into that same realm. But I, I really think people are just going to 
really probably use TikTok and YouTubers and and podcasters maybe to help get them on the the potential avenue of things they might be interested in and just kind of take it from there. I I, I don't think there's going to be a I don't think there's going to be an like a one size fits all for film criticism anymore because you know I used to watch Siskel and Ebert. That's how I used to remember. You know, <laughs> you know, that's how I learned about whatever the new film was. Um, I uh, oh, what's his name? Jonathan. Um, oh, I can't think of his name, and I feel so bad. I should know this. Um, but I used to read the uh, the blockbuster review books. That's that's how I you know would uh learn about things that were you know that were coming out because you know people forget you didn't uh you used to get a movie three months after it hit theaters you know you had to wait you know a year <laughs> sometimes for for things to hit tape you know hit v- vhs you know it, it's I, I that is one thing i will say uh about uh you young kids y'all do not realize how good you had it because i remember when the phantom menace came out that didn't hit tape for like a year, maybe longer. Uh, maybe maybe or on DVDs. I think we're on DVDs at that point, but it still took almost a year for it to hit DVD. But now you know, stuff hits Disney Plus. Ninety days later, it's on DVD. It's on DVD in two months. Like it's it's crazy how quickly stuff can be watched at home now. But it it, it didn't used to be like that. I actually almost think streaming's kind of I don't want to say ruined, but there's so much content right now. Like I, I've had to start kind of getting off of people when they say I haven't seen fill in the blank yet. Cause I realized there's so much out there. Like I still haven't finished stranger things from this past season yet. And I have people yelling at me for that. I haven't finished the uh, season three of Barry and people are like, how have you not finished Barry? I'm like, I know I will get to it. Like there's, there's just so much out there. It's kind of overwhelming. Have have you seen Better Call Saul yet? Hey. <laughs> oh, yep it's it's on my list. <laughs> yeah, what you just said though definitely is true because, like, I haven't even even started the new season of Stranger Things because every episode is like two hours long. Yeah, and I just, <laughs> I don't have the time, and it's hard for anybody now to sift through all the different media's and stuff and. You know, it's. I'm curious to see if there's going to be like a streaming bubble that bursts here soon because of all the different options, and it's just there will be. Who? It'll be interesting to see. Well, I'm one of the the things that I just thought of right now would be interesting to revisit any of these episodes years from now because I I like to talk to people about like what they think how they think young people are going to get into movies. It'll be interesting to see like a couple years from now what the landscape looks like is. Do we go back to some of the way we used to do things? I mean, it's a little bit different now with, you know, we're still dealing with pandemic after effects and all that kind of stuff. But like, I don't know. We're going to find out, I guess, eventually. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but like, let's just look at what's happened through the pandemic. I mean, we have stuff that's releasing on same day streaming and theater. Like that notion four years ago was laughable. But that's something that a lot like like the new Halloween coming out that's hitting now I will be the first to admit and, and this is something that we can definitely talk about. I love the theater experience. 
I really do. I actually love sitting down with my bucket of popcorn and seeing the house lights come down. And like I, I do love that true experience. But I also at this point, just especially with the pandemic stuff still going on, and really just straight up how rude <laughs> people are just kind of are when they're out in public, especially in a the movie theater. Not everything warrants a theater experience. So like I've been kind of having to almost have this almost debate myself like the new halloween coming out i still haven't seen uh halloween kills yet I haven't heard great things but i need to watch it before halloween ends um i love the 2018 halloween i'm excited to see halloween ends i could go to the theater and see it with with people which i feel like is the way a halloween movie should be viewed but then another part of me is kind of like, man, I could go to the theater, grab my burger, come home with my popcorn, and, you know, not have to worry about people getting up, not have to worry about, you know, waiting for waiting for 30 minutes of trailers, which I, I that is one thing I will say that is really starting to just, I miss the Alamo Draft House for that reason in Austin, because the Alamo would show, you know, a bunch of stuff before your movie pertaining to it. So, you know, Batman, see Batman cartoons or whatever. And then that movie starts up and you're you're off and running. But 30 minutes of previews, it's just like, man, could I could I please get to the reason I'm here? I um I go to the theater a lot just because I have the uh AMC A-list stubs thingy. Yeah. And that helps a lot with me. As far as do I want to go see this movie? Do I want to wait? Because like, hey, it's I got to see at least two movies a month to make up for it. And like now I'll be like, oh, I wouldn't normally see this movie before, but now I could get a chance to go. But you bring up a good point, and I gotta I gotta put over Colorado a little bit. The movie theater goers here, especially where I live, are like the most respectful movie goers I've ever been a part of in my life. Like. They don't talk during the movie hardly ever. Um, and Dang. the other, yeah, it's weird. And the other funny thing too is like, I remember I went to go see a movie and like a whole bunch of like high schoolers came in and I was like, oh crap, they're, they're just going to be the worst. And they just were quiet during the whole movie. And I was like, how did I get so lucky moving to this state that <laughs> respects the movie going experience? But like, if they were just terrible all over, I don't know if I would. I would try to go to the the weird time shows. As, yeah, as much as I could. and that's kind of the that's kind of the weird thing because like the 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 podcast is my day job, uh, unfortunately, and so I do work a you know lame eight to four thirty, but. If I go see a movie, uh, so like Thursday nights are typically when I go because I I like to have my weekends free for myself, for my partner, for my cats. Because um, to be a total cat dad, I hate leaving my, my cats at home. I get genuinely bummed out when I leave them for too long. So I try not to be gone for too long, but I go, I like this Thursday, I'm doing a double feature. So I'll be home, uh, so I'm getting to the theater at 5 probably puts me home around 9.20-ish after two movies. I come home Thursday nights, record, typically edit on Friday mornings, and then reviews are usually up Saturday or Sunday. But um, 
but I try to go on Thursday nights because that's when less kids are there. Um, I try really hard to not go to kids' movies because I mean, on occasion, I have to go see something like uh, uh, like what I go see. Like I went saw Aladdin, I think. I had to go see it on a Saturday, and I really try to avoid kids' movies on Saturdays because that's when most kids are there and they've got their figurines and they're screaming and you know throwing popcorn. It's like okay. I can accept that because it's like I came on your day. This is my bad. Like I entered, I entered your cave. Fair enough. But I've, but I've, but I've had enough action figures hit me in the head going to kids' movies. I go, come on, parents. Like I, I can only blame the kids so much. Like, can you make sure your kids aren't doing, <laughs> aren't, aren't acting like they're ringing a bell tower when they have their toy in their hand so it doesn't hit me? But, but I mean, even people just sitting down. That was something I remember as a kid. Like, you know, they would pretty much tell you, please be seated within, you know, five minutes before the movie starts. And people would usually be good about that. Now you've got people, you know, uh, what when I went and saw uh, Thor Love and Thunder, I, I, I actually had to yell at this couple. And I, I felt bad for like an eighth of a second. But guy guy and lady there with uh with their family and like had eight people with them and they're having this full-blown conversation as the movie is started about where do we sit when there were like 12 open rows and i finally just went can you all please sit down and i'm i'm cleaning it up a little bit but but i was like can you please sit down and they had the nerve to get upset i'm like y'all this is and like that doesn't happen often but it's definitely happened a lot more since uh since lockdown ended and so it just kind of makes me go yeah i don't really want to go to the movies if i can avoid it so but i love that experience though so i'm almost kind of like at odds with myself because there are certain things like do i want to wait until this comes out on digital i mean maybe maybe i do but i also want to try to get these reviews out you know in a timely fashion but sometimes i just go yeah you can wait <laughs> but but i don't know i i think i think the theater experience used to be a little more sacred i mean you didn't used to have to worry about people being rude or people showing up late or um but also that's the right but this i don't know what you can do to make the theater experience better outside of of paying your employees better and and that's really a huge part of it because you know they're paying these people you know so little to actually you know care about your experience and then you know you get you know you get concessions that are like eight dollars so it's like why would i you know why would i why would i even pay for a concession um i know amc is really good with their uh, uh was it the a-list i think is what it's called um yeah but uh, you know, I'm on. Uh, I I go to Cinemark typically. I mean, Cinemark's uh, movie club, like it's it's I, but it's not it's not AMC's A list. But the industry has no, you know, real reason to to try harder because they're trying to recover somewhat from the pandemic and all that. So it, it's I I I I hope that we get shortened windows because honestly. I, I, I just kind of want people to be able to see the movies they want to see, like, at their leisure. I mean, I know not everyone wants to, not everyone's comfortable trekking to a theater right now. And I get that, you know? If, if people were just like, yeah, I'd rather wait for, you know, I had someone ask me, like, should I go see Nope tomorrow? I'm like, well, 
like are you are you feeling comfortable to go to a theater and they're like well not really i'm like okay then i would tell you it's on digital right now and i would and i would just wait until you're you're ready to rent it and you have the time to launch it you know and that's that's no shade on the director uh, i mean because i love jordan peele or the studio or whatever but some people just aren't comfortable with that uh, i mean disney plus say what you will about disney but uh doing the math you know if i have a if i have a family you know i got two kids and my partner you know that's you know 10 bucks a 10 bucks a ticket that's 40 bucks right there just on tickets and that's before you get to concessions so i you know i'm lucky to leave the theater spending 100 bucks you know i mean you know and four weekends a month that adds up quick so you know i get some people wanting to stay home but so hunter if somebody wants to get your opinion on whether or not they should see a movie in the theaters where can they find you yeah so i mean you can uh you can tweet me at uh j hunter real pineapple that's r-e-e-l pineapple uh you can um you can hit up the you can actually email us because i i constantly forget that we have that we have an email uh you can email me at the joshua hunter at the real pineapple.com and uh you can find the real pineapple pretty much ever you listen to podcasts so yeah i'm uh i'm around the internet oh and black uh black shazam on letterbox because i actually have been using my letterbox <laughs> and that that is one thing i would say if if you're trying to get in the film start with letterbox letterbox is a really good spot to actually just kind of see some lists and talk to a bunch of people who probably know more about film than you do and that's not to be you know in a snidey way but that's just a really good way to just interact with people who love film most people i've talked to on letterbox have been awesome and they just love to talk film so if you're if you're you know uh, a novice or you just want to learn more about film just hit up someone on there i i think people are are less snippy than they are on other social media platforms to talk film yeah that reminds me that i should probably put in my show notes my letterbox account because i get maybe one like two likes for anything i post and it's kind of demoralizing but uh <laughs> no letterbox is great though and uh i'll definitely going to link everybody so after you listen go go find hunter and all these different things and start talking to him about movies because he's gonna tell you what you should see what you're not to see he'll tell you what's the best he'll tell you what's the worst it doesn't matter but uh thanks hunter for taking the time out to do my show Larry, this is an absolute pleasure, man. And uh, real quick before we go, I I, I want to ask you, like, as far as film for you, like, because, I mean, you asked me the question earlier, what you think film discourse is going to look like. Like, what would you tell someone, like, you know, who's trying to get in the film, like, or to get into a show like this? Because you clearly found your groove as far as, like, I want to do this show based on these parameters. And, you know, I, I don't think there's a you know, doesn't one size fits all for anybody. But if someone listens to you and goes, man, I'm inspired. I want to do my own thing. Like, where would you kind of tell them to start? I would say the first thing is to just get in your head that you can do it. 
Like, don't let anybody tell you that you can't do something. I know that sounds super cliche, man, but <laughs> I'm telling you, like, the only person that can tell you that you can't is yourself. Yep. And if you can say to yourself, I'm going to do it, then you can then be like, what do I do? Then you can start asking questions. Like, when I was deciding, hey, you know what? I'm just going to do a podcast because there's not enough voices out there. I uh, I started asking my friends to do podcasts. I'm like, hey, what kind of microphone did you use? Uh, what uh, headphones? Like, what do you do this? What programs? You know, it's just asking questions. So I would say just ask questions. It's just like anytime you start a new job, you're not going to go into your job as a, a movie theater concession stand person and just know what to do. Like, you have to ask questions. So yeah. I would say, you know, ask questions and say to yourself that you can do it and trial and error is natural and really it's just like the at the worst case scenario one person listens to my show and that's okay because i just had a nice conversation with somebody you know and then eventually you just start to grow kind of relationships and whatnot and you know it's just uh just remember it's for fun so i guess what I would say is just say to yourself that you can do it, ask questions, <laughs> have fun, and you know, just don't worry about it. Cause like look, there's like a million podcasts out there. Not everybody is going to have like uh big listenership, you know, for, for whatever reason. But you know, everybody has a voice and I think everybody should be heard. Especially too, um like if you have underrepresented voice i would say definitely go out there and try to get your voice out there because there there are things that i just don't know like i just don't know things because i have my life experience so if you have a voice and a life experience that not everybody has or that's underrepresented i would say definitely get out there and do stuff because i mean that's important like there's no way for us to learn about ourselves if we're just talking into an echo chamber so that's that's the other thing that I would recommend. True, and, and, and I think that's I think that's amazing advice. And just to piggyback, piggyback off that real quick, the the first the first couple solo reviews I did were just were just bloody awful. Like I remember listening to them back and just going, "Oh my god, this sounds this sounds like amateur hour. This sounds like like if you ever gone to an open mic like like a like a yeah like an open mic night and you've seen a comedian bomb." That's how I felt about like the first 10 solo reviews I did. I was like, oh my God, these are terrible and I should burn the podcast with fire. But, you know, there's that point I went, oh, these, these are actually pretty good. But yeah, just be willing to be willing to laugh at your mistakes. Realize that you're going to make them. There's just, there, there's no way to avoid that. But embrace that though. Like I didn't know how to edit to save my life before I, started doing solo reviews because I, I always left that to Scott and Colin. And I was like, oh, cool. You're going to edit this? Awesome. And I had to actually learn how to edit and where to time the intro and all these things. I went, oh my God, this is like making my skin crawl. So, but it's okay to fail, kids. Like, honestly, it's completely okay for you to have a bad, I, like I've, I just passed six, uh, 600 reviews um, like, like actually like think last week if Mary serves. So, I mean, that's, 
that's insane. I I never thought I'd get to 600 reviews, but I mean, I can't tell you all 600 reviews have been good. I can think of a couple that I know, oh man, that that's on the channel. I should probably delete that because it's terrible, but and <laughs> it's okay to fail, kids. It's okay. Well, I, I could say that you're definitely haven't failed. I mean, 600 is something you should be proud of, and uh, it's a good show, Appreciate and everyone that. should listen. So, Appreciate that. <laughs> all right, Hunter. Um, I'm sure as my show grows, I'll come up with other things to talk about. Like, I just don't want to necessarily keep myself to just one sort of thing. So I'll be interested to see how my show grows as well. So, you know, hopefully I could get some of my early guests back on later on and kind of see where they're at, you know? literally available whenever you need me thank you so much for having me on man this was fun you're welcome and uh thanks for listening everybody have a good day why are you still listening go to your next podcast this has been real early i'm larry sternshine see you next time